Hello everyone, uh, this is Steve Washer with the Video Brain Trust and I'm very pleased today to have with me somebody that I have known for, well, a few years now and we always have such really great dealings. I have an enormous amount of respect for this gentleman, Lon Naylor. He was an extremely early adopter and evangelist of the internet and he's been long recognized for the way he's been able to exploit its massive potential for delivering effective sales messages via video to a global audience. He's also an authority on the Camtasia suite of video production software, a highly sought out resource and uh, the go-to guy of many of the top internet marketing names um, uh, in the world actually. And uh, we'll let him tell you about some of those adventures that he's had along the way. Welcome Lon Naylor. Hey, Steve, how are you guys doing today? Uh, doing just, just great. I'm really excited to have you uh, with us. And I want to start off by talking a little bit about where you came from, a little bit about your background so people know who I'm talking to here. Great. Well, I'm uh, basically a 35-year veteran of the computer industry. I've been a uh, computer engineer for, gosh, since, you know, uh, the very early ages of computing in general. I spent the last 10 years of my professional career which is basically the decade of the 90s as a senior engineer for Microsoft. I re retired from the corporate world in 1999 at age 41, which was kind of sweet. Two words there, stock options. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Bill. And uh, the thing is that during that time, I really kind of specialized in high-level multimedia presentations using a little program a lot of your folks might know about called PowerPoint. And it uh, became a fascination of mine that I could deliver a visual video message, a presentation, and then at some point be able to record that to a video. And so I've been kind of fascinated with those technologies and being able to essentially give the same presentation over and over again uh, without actually having to give it over and over again. So um, after I kind of left the corporate scene. I certainly uh, was, you know, into the internet thing. And I really just took that kind of love of technology and engineering and, and uh, video and have been, oh, being the technical evangelist, I guess, if you will, which is kind of one of my fortes is looking around and seeing what's going on and using, you know, my knowledge to see what's really happening and how to really leverage it into the far future. And that's, uh, it's kind of a fun thing to do. It's, you know, with technology changing so rapidly, it'll yeah. keep you busy. Yes, it will keep you busy, and that's why you and I maintain <laughs> uh, membership sites where people can come in and, you know, sort of tap into what's going on at the moment so we don't all get left behind. And, uh, and I know that you maintain a very, very busy site over at uh, Learn Camtasia, and I'm wondering, where are you sitting right now? What's going on in your world? <laughs> well, physically, I'm sitting in my um, homestead here on the banks of the beautiful Apple River in west central Wisconsin, uh, which is kind of my base of operations. It's really kind of out in the middle of nowhere, which thanks to technology, I can go pretty much anywhere in the world and look out my back doors as I'm kind of doing now and see just the beautiful fall colors uh, and the reflections in the river. And it's really kind of awesome. Mm, beautiful, sounds great. We have a similar situation out here in the wilds of Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> 
So when you started doing video, things were a lot different on the on the internet back then, and uh, websites were just becoming a thing. And uh, I'm wondering right, right now, what's your feeling about websites versus blogs in terms of their ability to communicate? Well, I use both, certainly, and most of my websites are blogs, and they serve somewhat two different functions in terms of how I use video. One is the website also is generally a membership area where I can create video content products and I create a lot of tutorial products in other words teaching people how to do what I do and give them the you know my perspective and my tutorials and and things like that uh, so that is the website function for the most part is to manage the membership and access and all of that good stuff so it's the content delivery, the product delivery engine that happens. But the blog is also really important because when you're trying to sell something, almost anything, certainly video is a great tool for promoting that kind of a thing. But the, the real secret sauce there, as you know, is to establish credibility, trust, and rapport because people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And that's where the blog aspect of delivering excellent content to establish that credibility, trust, and rapport also kind of comes into play. Uh, you'll need to have, you know, the industry standard seven touch points with your prospects before they'll typically decide to buy. And, well, if you can engage them in a blog with useful content that identifies with who they are and that you understand their problems and that you have an ability to help them overcome their problems or solve their problems, then the two marry together just really wonderfully. So that's kind of my basic perspective on it. Excellent. I think that we're sort of um, uh, thinking along the same lines when it comes to websites versus blogs. I, I think about blogs as, as a way of keeping up with all the changes. And I wish that blogs now, I've have, I have, I'm sure this is the same with you, I have so much content on my blog that I wish it was a bit more searchable. You know, I installed a search bar recently and that's made a big difference. But, you know, one of the things that I have been wondering, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, is where do you draw the line between teaching and selling? How much teaching is too much teaching and how much selling is too much selling? When you're doing a video and you're, you're training someone on a particular thing, how far do you go in a particular piece of training? Well, that's a good topic because certainly opinions vary on that. My basic take is that I here's the thing. Selling is hard. If you try to sell, then what you'll find is certainly resistance to that. People, you know, they don't like to be sold to, but what they do like is for you to help them buy. So from my perspective, I, I rarely draw a line there in terms of how much content I give away as opposed to what I try to sell because it's kind of, like I say, the more somebody knows what it is that I can ultimately deliver, then the better they're going to be able to make a, a buying decision and the more they're going to look to me to make that buying decision. So my basic take is I educate and I don't worry too much about selling. I try to identify the market 
and the problems that they have, and then I ruthlessly go about the task of giving them almost everything they need to to solve those problems. And what I find is that the response to the tactic is probably much better in the long run. And, you know, I'm talking about a long-term business model here, not making a sale. Mm. As you know, acquiring a lead is the most expensive part of any sales or marketing funnel. So the more leads that I can get and the more that I can garner that all-important trust and rapport as they move through my funnel, then the selling becomes almost an afterthought. I'm the go-to guy. I'm the no-brainer. And I have people that have been on my list for, gosh, since 2004 and earlier, and they're still there. And when I recommend something, as an example, they typically will just go and buy it because they know and trust me. And so I don't really differentiate too much. Um, Certainly, if I'm specifically trying to sell something, I'll craft the message maybe a little stronger. I'll have a very definitive call to action And, you know, don't get me wrong, I use the standard and classic sales techniques, grab their attention, identify the problem, agitate the problem, provide the solution, and call to action. So, you know, it depends a little bit on what kind of video content or what the purpose of a specific piece of content is as to how I might attack it. Excellent, excellent. So let's talk a little bit about video content and how it how it differs from, uh, you know, basically written content, which is what everyone is familiar with. A lot of people are intimidated by the very idea of creating video content. And I think sometimes they they shy away from it or they don't, you know, deliver very much of it because it's kind of a big thing to do. What are some of the tips maybe that you might give people to help them whittle this down to something that's a little bit more manageable or or make them understand that this is not some big dragon that needs to be slayed? Well, I guess my first response to that would be something that is a bit of a difference between the kinds of videos that you and I make. Uh, I'm pretty big on the screen capture aspect of being able to record that which is on your computer screen and do things like narrate it. Uh, But I also quite like presentation style videos. If I'm delivering content and I want to do it in a visual way, then I love to use tools like PowerPoint to create visual content, make it engaging, and do a presentation. Because make no mistake, a sales pitch of any kind uh, is a presentation. So it seems to be the perfect tool, and it's something that people can kind of wrap their heads around, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to put together a presentation of content, and with tools like, I say, PowerPoint, it will just record it as video. So that's kind of one of the aspects that I think is uh, really kind of fascinating. It's not brain surgery, and, you know, it's not rocket science, it's not flying a 747, uh, as you well know, but there are certain things that you can do to tone it down a bit and still have it be professional and effective. And I think in terms of delivering a visual video message, that's really what you want to go for. It needs to be effective. I can take Notepad 
put it up on my computer screen and record that window and make a compelling presentation if I've thought about what the message is and I've planned it to the extent that it then becomes useful. And so, you know, you don't have to have a lot of stuff going on. A lot of my students, they get all jacked up in this thing. Uh, if they try to use PowerPoint, well, I got to have all the animation and the spinning and the whirling and the burping. And, oh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you just don't need to do that. Uh, in fact, it's distracting. So I spend a good portion of my time with my students actually trying to calm them down a little bit uh, and what happens is simple is a lot of times better uh, but you know you don't want to do stupid things like just put up a whole bunch of text and then read it uh, you know it, it just doesn't engage people the way that they're used to consuming video content so I think um that's a really big one. Another thing that I really like that's kind of going on now and certainly will be very applicable in the future here is the mobile device video capture and creation. For example, Camtasia, which is screen recordings, now has the ability to connect directly to mobile devices. And so I can shoot something on my iPad as far as video content, and I can use all the rich and wonderful tools and apps on the iPad to mess with the video content that I create. And it's just a click. Boom! Shoots it right into my project in Camtasia. So I can have a mixture of being on camera very easily right and then explain things with a demo or a tutorial so i think those are a couple of things it's funny that you mentioned that the the, the kinds of videos that you make are are sometimes very different than the kinds that i make because i focus on being on camera and then when i go back and and do a maybe a, a more like a powerpoint type of presentation it takes me much longer <laughs> to do yeah <laughs> and i think that uh, some of this is what you're used to because if i can just stand up in front of the camera and talk well that takes care of the fact that you want to have things happening on the camera every few seconds or so you want to be changing things and when you had just have someone standing there talking and they're engaged and engaging and inspired and inspiring then i think that does go a long way towards satisfying that. Like, for example, I shoot most of my videos in about five minutes. Obviously, the, the script takes way longer than that to prepare for me to just stand up in front of then hit the button and go for five minutes. But at the same time, then I'm spending a little more time in post-production putting in the stuff around me that's going on. Sure. Whereas you're approaching it from the other end. And that is, you're basically starting post-production at the beginning. And, and going from there. So I think our, our two methods are really interesting and I think they both uh, work together. I'm always trying to figure out faster ways of getting things done. And I've noticed that in your videos, you have a lot of stuff going on. Your PowerPoints are really, really super engaging. The animations are really fun. You definitely have a style that's all your own. I can tell a Lon Naylor video from a Perry Lawrence video, from a Mike Filsame video or whatever. You definitely have your way of doing things. And that's, um, that's pretty cool for, uh, for branding's sake. You know, I think just to expand upon that a little bit, the reason both of our different styles and tactics are easier for us is because not just that we've done them a bunch before, but I think over time what happens is we both develop tools and techniques 
that make it easier. I mean, you spend a bunch of upfront time to create your studio gear and things like that. So at that point, it's just a matter of kind of stepping up after your planning and executing. On my side, I take care of a lot of the oh drudgery of creating a PowerPoint video by using templates that I've used and modified over the years. So when it comes time for me to create that visual video content, I don't have to look at a blank piece of slide. <laughs> you know, I, I go in and I modify something that's already been in process and things like that. So that's uh, kind of a interesting aspect is that if you have some of the tools of the trade and the more you use them, certainly the better you get. But it's those kinds of things that can really kind of go and take away a lot of the concerns and problems that people run into from just starting literally from scratch. Exactly. I, I think that's a really, really important point that you bring up, is that if you build your well before you need it, then you're in good shape. And it's one of the, one of the frustrating things for me that I deal with people on a lot is the fact that they want to do things but with tools that really aren't going to work that well for them, that are going to take them too much time to use. In other words, they might save $5 on the tool, but it will cost them hours and hours, and the results won't be right, and they'll be unhappy with it, and, and then they'll be unsuccessful with it and give up. And I think that's a shame in many ways, because if they had just built their system, if they had just built their machine in, in a more bulletproof way, then everything would work so much better for them. Have you found that to be the case as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially for people that are just kind of getting started. They've seen all the hype and things like that of online marketing and make money online and, oh, you can do it all for free. Well, when is free for you, Steve, personally, ever really been free? Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to pay either in blood, sweat, tears, money, or all the above to be able to learn to use the tool only to find out that it's actually not going to do what you want it to do or it wasn't a good strategic decision. I mean, I make my decision, business decisions based on, you know, a return on investment. If I have to spend money on something or to learn something, then I make sure that that is going to have some legs to it and that it's a business decision. So I don't mind spending money if it's going to ultimately make me more money. So it's, you know, that's kind of a weird concept, but... <laughs> well, not really. I, I think no, it's a great concept. I was being ironic and sarcastic. Oh, uh, I understand. Uh, yeah, it's called mission critical, you know. So in the business world, if it's a mission critical application, then you roll it out and you, you make it work. And you don't mess around with, oh, gosh, all these lesser kinds of things. Can I, I mean, I can buy free software not buy free software, but I can get free software and I can make videos, certainly. Um, but again, then it boils down to a matter of, well, how do I cobble all this together? And is that the most effective use of my time? Right. And when someone asks me what program I use to make my videos, it just makes me, you know, it, for me, that's a direct indication that they really don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, because they're thinking that making a video means that you have to have a program. And, and what you need really is, is an idea. 
for a video and then oh it's just it, it kind of gets uh you know what we're trying to do here is figure out how to give people better tools and save them the single most critical piece of roi in everyone's life and that is their time absolutely the one thing we just cannot ever get back we only get 24 hours a day and i and i sometimes see your and my job as being the canary in the coal mine you know like when all this fantastic amazing stuff comes out we got to go and spend 20 dollars and find out what it's all about just so that we can either let people know it's any good or let them know that they really should stay away from it it's just going to waste their time nine times out of ten it's waste your time stuff so so how do we do that you know that's what we have to do I agree. And I think that's what a lot of people look to me for is my perspective on it. And in fact, one of my older taglines, I haven't used this in a while, but it's, uh, I waste my time so you don't have to. <laughs> like that? Yeah, that's pretty good. You might want to revise that one or revive that one. I think I will. So what, what would you recommend to someone what kind of discipline do they need to have in order to make... Actually, let me ask you this. How frequently do you put out free video content for people? Well, I try to put something out pretty much every week. But then again, I have a mechanism to be able to do that. I have a weekly coaching webinar where I answer people's questions and also give like a what's new type of thing we find new tools and we look at them and we play with stuff and you know we break things and mm -hmm. it's just a mess and what happens is i end up with all kinds of content that i can cut out of these hour-long sessions i had my call last night and we talked about things like dynamic video sales letters and some of the new smart video players that are out and things like that yeah so what I end up doing is I can pull those little pieces of content out and kind of sprinkle them around. And, you know, it just um, really kind of makes it easy for me to do that. Now, barring having a webinar every week, certainly I think um, one of the things that I also like to do is some content cr curation. And I, I use a little tool for this. It's called Scoop It. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but... I have not. Scoop it, it's scoop.it, is a little place you can go and you can actually, as you're stumbling along in your area of expertise, we, we all find things, right? Tutorials or new tools or news and things like that that are kind of a value. So what I do is, is Scoop It has in my browser just a little button and I can say, oh, I like this. Let's scoop it. And it builds this just nice web page uh, with all of the things that I find that are cool and interesting. Because here's the thing, if, if you are serving a market in an area that is passionate for you, then you will find stuff and you will be able to connect with people because your interests are aligned. They're similar. If you're all jacked up about something, then you know typically somebody else is probably going to be eager for that kind of content and information also. So I'll scoop stuff. And then maybe I'll just do a quick little mention or review. And, and, you know, you keep it a few minutes, like you do a lot of stuff under five minutes. But that's uh, another kind of way that I find, collect, sort, and decide on what kind of content to create. 
Well, that's a that's a great resource. So scoop it, and that's a, is that a WordPress plugin or how does that work? It's actually a curation site. So you create a, an account, and you can actually uh, curate up to five topics for free, which is kind of nice. And if you folks go there, what you'll find is that, gosh, these sites are just beautiful. It puts it all together for you and lays it out in a nice block format. So if I go to my Scoop It channel, I have one about PowerPoint video. Mm -hmm. So anytime I find like a new template or a new tip or trick for PowerPoint, I scoop it. And it all just, oh, ends up just nicely built. And it'll automatically post to your blog also. It'll post to Facebook, to Twitter, to LinkedIn. So it's, it's really just kind of a good way to wander around, find cool stuff, let other people know about it, and let them know that you're the one that found it for them. And in doing so, you've greatly cut down your own work because you don't have to format everything, which can take, you know, quite some time. Oh, it's ugly. So you're just focusing on your own perspective on what that pure content is. It's almost like, gosh, you're an employee of the company instead of, you know, the guy who's having to do every single part of it. That's a fantastic resource. Thanks for mentioning that. You know, and it also hooks into our video aspects, too. For example, whenever I upload a video to YouTube, I also scoop it. So, you know, again, it's just a way to kind of distribute your content out there. Mm, that's a great idea. You know, you once uh, turned us on, I was a couple of years ago, you turned us on to Presenter Media. Yep. That has got to be one of the best buys in the world in terms of finding useful content for your videos. I use it, and I have been using it ever since you mentioned it. I became a member, and I use it every, almost every week. I find something there that I can stick in one of my videos, even though my videos are live 90% of the time. Sure. It's like you mentioned, you want to be changing content every three to five seconds because it's what people are used to seeing. It's the way our brains work. We are literally hardwired from all of the stuff we watch on TV for the last hundred years of video to see these kinds of things. And anytime you can add visual interest or emphasis, uh, doesn't matter what kind of video you're making, then having tools and resources where you can go and search for the kind of visual content you want and that's one of the nice things about presenter media it's a great search engine so that's a good thing and like you say it's just a bargain but the other thing i like about it for my visual content of course i mentioned templates before so i can get a lot of really professionally designed things on presenter media again i don't have to start from scratch i can take a template i can modify it and then i can use it over and over again Mm, that's, a, that's a good point. I haven't used those templates yet because uh, I do different kinds of videos, but our folks should know that they do have some great templates out there for PowerPoint. And then you can, you know, make videos out of those as Lon has done uh, very, very successfully. What are some other things, I think, that might help people sort of streamline the way they make videos today? You talked about something about dynamic video sales letters. Now, our people don't make a lot of video sales letters. So that might not be of tremendous interest, but they do like to make content that's very helpful and educational. And a lot of folks are coaches and in the, in the service industries. Sure. Well, that's a very interesting concept. Uh, what you just kind of mentioned is people serve their markets. 
And essentially what a dynamic video sales letter does is it kind of engages the viewer and lets them almost craft their own content, the message that they receive. And I'll give you an example. Let's take like the oh fitness or weight loss market. So if you think about it, that's a very broad category. And if you try to create a, a sales message that addresses everybody, then ah, gosh, you're just not going to probably sell as much. But if you think about this concept, somebody lands on my video sales page and the video starts to play. It says, hey, I hear you're interested in weight loss. Now, if you think about the kind of message that might be important for someone to receive, let's think about this. Are you a man or are you a woman? Because the messages would vary probably rather significantly as to what the goals and desires of a solution that each of those categories of people might have. Men, for example, might want, you know, ripped abs or something like that. And women might want to make all their girlfriends jealous kind of a thing. So a dynamic video sales letter actually pauses the video at that point and allows the user to engage. Uh, well, I'm a guy. And at that point, the video jumps to content that is specific for delivering the problems and solution that that demographic might uh, be interested in. And you can just kind of keep whittling it down. So when you deliver a very targeted message, your success rate, your conversion rate is likely to be much higher. So that's just kind of one of the things that, that are out there that that let um, people engage with a video. And you probably know this, certainly, is that if I can get somebody to click a button on my video, then they're engaged. And it's much more powerful psychologically than just passively watching a message. So there's two aspects. They're delivering extremely targeted content and getting that engagement. So this is uh, something that's going to be more and more prevalent, I think, and uh, is, is really kind of quite interesting. You know, I'm wondering if this has to apply just to sales letters. Uh, no, certainly it doesn't. In fact, uh, Camtasia actually has this function built into it, and you can create what are called um, hotspots. So in other words, I can put up a little graphic, a button, and I can ask people what they would like to consume. So they, the video will play and then it will pause, like I say, and people can choose where they wish to go at that point. Camtasia is very big in the education market teachers and institutions and things like that. Well, a lot of teachers kind of use this. So they will create their video and they will have like certain areas of a lesson plan that their students can then jump to without having to consume the whole thing. And in fact, we use this concept also in what's called a table of contents for our videos. For my webinars that I did last night, it's an hour long. Well, I'm not going to make somebody sit and suffer through an hour's worth of content if I don't have to. If they want to get at something specific, I put in chapters in the video for each topic that we talk about. And when people view the video, there's this nice little table of contents there. Uh, so in essence, it's rather dynamic in that sense. I can go and view specific 
content within a video. Uh, so it's not just for sales letters. It's certainly for that you know uh, in- engagement and ease of viewing kinds of things also. That's amazing. So this table of contents appears in the video as well. Or does it does it appear to the side of the video so that a person could go to another place in the video at any time, or is this something that just appears once? You have a couple of options there. It can be there fixed along the side, or it has a rollover feature so that if I put my mouse over the video, the table of contents slides out, and you can pick and choose what you want. That's very cool. Now, are there any other technologies uh, than Camtasia that you can use this with? Other than Camtasia? Well, there's a, there's a new product that's coming out from a guy named Rob Jones, and I think he's kind of the first one that is really putting this out there. He's, he's a buddy of mine. He does a really pretty good marketing job of stuff, and uh, he puts out good products and things, but I'm still in the course of evaluating it. And I think, like I say, it's a trend that's going to be starting to pop up more and more. Uh, we know that there are a lot of smart video players being released now, and you guys I know are working working on one that's that's coming out but uh, I think this kind of function and feature is certainly a function of a player so it's going to I think find its way into a lot of different uh, platforms but I think Rob's is about the only one that I know right now that is kind of coming out we talked a little bit about being a technical evangelist. Well, if there's one thing that I'm good at, it's looking at what's going on and seeing things that are going to just kind of pop. And this is probably going to be one of those things. Well, I think you're probably right about that. And it's probably going to really um, create kind of a revolution in video education. When people have that kind of control, they will probably consume it learn more from it, get more out of it, and that'll be just fantastic for everyone. Yep. And, you know, there are complex tools out there now, uh, kind of that I think about it. There's one called Articulate, and, you know, it's geared, again, towards the education market, the creation of e-learning courses is what they call them. And they, for quite a while, allowed you to wander around in courseware and course material uh, as a way of consuming it. So, you know, there are there are a few tools out there. Articulate's really expensive and it's kind of complex. I think uh, if there's a trend to be had, it's going to be tools that make this kind of thing a bunch easier. So, yeah, we used Articulate in the um, uh, in the corporation, by the way. Sure. Yep. You know, to create e-learning for big, ex- fancy, complicated machines. Yep. So um, you are a technical evangelist, and you know a lot about this kind of stuff. What are some of the other trends that you see that are going right now, going on right now in video that we really should be on the lookout for? How can we be getting ready for some of the new stuff that's coming out? Well, I think, um, let's see, that's a good question. I think I mentioned that I'm kind of excited about the mobile device kinds of content creation. If you think about it, it's just such a a wonderful and beautiful thing because what it does is it allows everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean everybody with a phone walking around in their pocket to become content creators. And the explosion of such a thing 
and the consumption of video on those kinds of devices is just like one of those moments in history that is undeniable. And so if we think that that's going to be the case, then that certainly is something that's kind of worth looking into. There are, there are just so many rich tools and, and things that, like I mentioned, to be able to, to do that. That's you know, Yeah, and big. we are seeing a huge, huge, I think that you're absolutely right about mobile. I think the mobile revolution is probably the, the most significant thing that's happened to video in the last several years. I mean, to see somebody like me out there talking about, you know, the virtues of the iPhone or, you know, other kinds of mobile camera phones is just remarkable. I never thought in my life that I would be doing something like this. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yet the quality is just it's redonkulous. We're sitting uh, right now, you and I are recording this, right in the middle of the launch of the Apple iPhone 6, the 6 Plus. Now, the 6 Plus is basically, it has the kind of capabilities that, that just a few years ago, you would have only, you would have had to have paid, what, maybe sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 for to get 240 frames per second slow motion out of a camera? Yep. And forget about the apps that allow you to enhance it, to manipulate it, to do all kinds of awesome and wonderful things in, in brain-dead stupid fashion. And, and that's the big thing, because we talked about it before, is that, gosh, people think it's difficult and it's, it's hard. Well, it is, and it used to be. But with some of these apps and things like that, you can come off looking like a star and not even really know what you're doing. You know, and you, you talked about people ask you, what kind of camera do you use? Well, stick your hand in your pocket <laughs> and there you have it. So that little issue is probably solved at this point. And the other thing that I would just mention about that is when it comes to technological trends, what we look at throughout history is the rate of adoption. So if you look at like radio and then television and things like that. Well, it took, you know, 150 years for radio to become pervasive. It took like 10 years for TV to be there. Uh, the Internet's adoption happened even faster. And then the, the thing with the mobile devices is it is it just took off so fast and so hard that there are actually more cell phones on the planet than there are people. Come on. Is that a fact? That's a fact, Jack. Mm. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And people will line up for days outside of an Apple store, you know, to get the new phone. And I don't know what this says for the other, you know, cell phone manufacturers, but Apple's definitely figured something out. Well, we know that one trend is definitely in place. It's not going away, and that is mobile. Who knows what is going to be adopted after mobile? But I do think that there's some really significant, it, this is so significant for video, it almost cannot be overstated. The way people are using video now, not just in business, but in education, in government, in politics. I mean, we have just not to, you know, get all kind of weird, but we have this ISIS, this strange, strange organization of, of fighters making incredibly slick videos to get their points across and doing it in the most, uh, you know, Hollywood 
gruesome ways that they can possibly think of. And that has really got the attention of a lot of the world's population, and there's really not that many of them. I mean, they have leveraged video like I have never seen video leveraged before. They might bring on World War III, these guys. So I think that, that the role of video in the world today has become so important that we need to be careful with it, you know? We need to do it, we need to do it well. We need to do it in a way that makes the world a better place. Well, yeah, we need to use video for good and not for evil. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I never thought I'd really be, you know, people say that, I'm going to teach you something now and you've got to be, I promise you use it for good. And that's usually just marketing talk. But what you and I are talking about now, this is real, you know, this is real. So I think people have an obligation to use video for good actually and to do more of it there you go i'm with you let's uh let's make that happen Yo, sure okay we'll do that we 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 are doing that we're doing that every day but in terms of everyone doing their own videos you know frequency i try to get something out once a week you try to get something out once a week i think it's really interesting by the way how you come up with your content is you you know basically have a, a webinar and people come and they give you your problems and then you create a video out of it and put it up. I've seen a lot of your videos that have been done that way. That's a great way for everyone to be coming up with their video content. I mean, use Google Hangouts for this, you know, let people see you or not, you know, you don't have to let people see you. I recommend that you do, but that means that you have to have your background put together, do it in a way that you're just showing your screen and, well, you know, you can just you know, have your coffee and your chai and have your pajamas on and, you know, do a great job. Well, and let's just make the distinction that they aren't mutually exclusive in that you don't have to do one or the other. In fact, ideally, again, it's a matter of displaying the kind of content that's that's relevant and showing your face is a great way to establish that personal connection. So a really good tactic is to mix it up a bit. If you're on camera and you're talking about a website, well, record that website scrolling down the page or whatever it is you're talking about to make that visual and then pop yourself back on and say, hey, wasn't that a great website, you know, or something like that. And then the aspect of leveraging what it is that you might already be doing. That's kind of what I do with the webinars. Being able to leverage stuff is really kind of nice. If you're out and about and you see something cool and interesting, you know, maybe you pull out your camera and you shoot some of that B-roll that you'll be able to use later in terms of creating interesting and engaging visual content. Yes, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, this, by the way, this is how I do pretty much all of my Google Hangouts is I'll start off being on camera and then go to, go to the screen, maybe, you know, show some well, I don't really show video yet, not in the Google Hangout, but definitely show uh, websites and all kinds of stuff and show people how to use things. Now for our people, they're generally not technology people. They're generally working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Many of them are trusted advisors, so they work with people behind closed doors. And so for people to be able to see them on camera, I think goes a long way toward creating a good kind of trust. Yeah, it certainly does. And which means that Google Hangouts has been something of a godsend. Some of our people have gotten very, very good 
at doing go so much so that they're teaching me some things about Google Hangouts too. So I learn a lot from our folks, but I think that this is, you know, Google Hangouts is really important. Getting yourself on camera is important. Creating a machine so that you can do it rapidly is also important. Getting out as much content as you can. Moving the free line, but not so much even moving the free line as creating a relationship with people over time uh, so that you're kind of giving them the good stuff so they know where the good stuff is going to be coming from over time and just doing it, you know, just keep doing it all the time. How long have you been working in web video on? In, oh, video on the internet? Yeah. Well, let's see, that would probably go back to probably around 2000, 2001. And it was very difficult at that time because certainly the bandwidth issue was probably the biggest thing. And even at Microsoft, you know, we heard about and talked about the year of video, the year of internet video. Well, I sat and watched as the year of video came and went like eight times <laughs> until, you know, YouTube launched in 2005 and it started to uh, kind of get better from there. Certainly YouTube wouldn't even be possible if it wasn't for the advent of increased bandwidth and things like that. So there again, if we think about Moore's Law, which basically states that things just get faster and better like every two years, more bandwidth for video users is certainly a thing to look forward to and we'll be able to do even cooler things in the not too distant future. What's your point of view on net neutrality? Net neutrality, well, I'm certainly for anything that keeps the internet free and open. And I don't really like the idea of um, certain people getting bigger bandwidth pipes than other people. But gosh, uh, you know, I don't know if we as people can throttle the powers that be and the interests therein to make that kind of a non-issue. But it's see, that's the thing. When you have something as awesome as the Internet, somebody's gonna step in and screw it up especially when it comes to power and influence but that's just my take I don't know well that's kind of my take too I mean I I've seen a lot of people trying to do something about trying to stop net neutrality I, I'm with you I think the internet should be free and open it's the greatest resource for educating people that's really ever been developed it's turned education on its ear with the Khan Academy for example Mm -hmm. There are a lot of school systems now that are using his methodology instead of the, you know, sort of Prussian model that we've, been, you know, lived with for over a hundred years. And it's making a big difference. And I hope that, uh, I hope that we can keep the lights on. Well, well, we'll, we'll be working for that. Well, Lon, it has been an absolute, just a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And, and thank you for these great tips today. And um, we're definitely, I want everyone to, to go out and check out Scoop It for your own business. Check out Presenter Media. Definitely check out Learn Camtasia. Lon, where can people find out more about working with you? Well, certainly learncamtasia.com. You can uh, kind of reach me there. We have a, a support desk. Just shoot me a message. You can basically find me on Facebook, Lon Naylor, my YouTube channel. You know, I'm not a hard guy to find. I've been on the Internet so long. A, a quick Google of me yields 
Gosh, I don't. I haven't even checked in a couple of years, but it's in the thousands of uh, of hits that are probably me. Um, those are, I like to engage with people, especially on like Facebook and things like that, because it's very intimately in your face kind of a thing, um, which is kind of interesting. Those would be the main things. I also have a site that you're involved with as a faculty member, Steve. It's called Screencast Studios. Dot com and um, that's kind of one of my resource sites and so those are just kind of a couple of ways to touch base with me and I you know I'm not like a lot of other marketing kinds of folks out there I actually answer my own email and stuff like that so I'm not not a hard guy to get a hold of well that's great and so people can go to any of these sites and sign up to be on your uh, weekly list that sort of thing Absolutely. And like I say, strive to give my perspective on it and there's lots of good information. And hey, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it to establish relationships with people and that kind of thing, just like you. Well, I'm actually, trying to be trying to be more like you, Steve. <laughs> I'm trying to be more like you. Uh oh, we're in trouble. Oh uh, man. So we actually do have a great resource from you right on the um Video Marketing Coaches website. Now we're moving it to the uh, Video Brain Trust website, where you go into a lot of the uh, you know the ABCs of a video. So we'll have to have you come back. And uh, by the way, this is one that has a chapter. It's a chapterized video, and it's really easy to go through. And people have just loved it. So I hope they will uh, go out there and and take a look at that now. That's from me. That's from you. Well, I should do more of that. You should, because people really love it. So okay. Send, send us another uh, little chapterized thing, and I'll put it right up. Nice. Well, thanks, Lon. It's been great, and I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this discussion. And we will have Lon back another time. And uh, until then, stay happy. Stay happy.